Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daney. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed, plus lots of bonus content, including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A. You will also get bonus content every month, including the audio versions of my regular columns for ESPN. So do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so. Maybe even strangers in the street. Love you. This is the version of the big interview where we feature the icons that have dominated the last six years of the wonderful interviews our guests have given us on this podcast series. I hope that one of the things that's made this successful has been the fact that I'm absolutely passionately head over heels in love with football and therefore the people who bring us special memories, special games, special character in football they're the ones that, that light things up for me. Zidane is our focus today. Zidane, not Luca, nor any of the other many Zidans that are splattered around world football. I say that because at the time when I first encountered his name, largely via world soccer, because back in 1995, there was no internet. You didn't cover football the same way as we do now. And it was thanks to world football where I scanned every result around Europe just for oddities, for patterns, who scores a lot. I remember seeing Roy Mackay, a Scottish name, but with a double A in it and thinking, well, I want to follow him. And ending up in the Riazor Stadium in the second leg of Milan against Deportivo, having been in San Siro for the 4-1 game Milan and watching Mackay and his team destroy the European champions 4-0. Sometimes when you follow a name, when you flip a coin, it works or... It used to. So naturally, with that swish of Zorro in the double Z alliteration, Zinedine Zidane at Bordeaux, I'd never heard of him at Cannes, caught my attention, particularly during their Intertoto Cup run, even before they went to the final of the UEFA Cup. 
And it was for his name, but for the number of times you would see him being either, you know, the main protagonist in a game or getting sent off. Something that didn't diminish as he went from Bordeaux to Juventus after that, you know, European final against uh, Juve. And I was obsessed already with Juventus because of the visits I did there to study the work of uh, Giampietro Ventroni and Marcello Lippi. And therefore Zidane at Juve, the mystery of why they kept losing Champions League finals, his the strange way over a paper napkin that he moved from Juventus to Madrid, sealed at a gala in Monaco. All these things over and above the fact that he was an elegant, majestic footballer throughout his career. And I was lucky enough to be at many, many live games watching him. These things have always fascinated me about Zidane and I enjoy him as a manager. Whether he's the world's greatest football coach or not seems to me to be redundant because he's patently an exceptional manager, man-inspirer, player-whisperer and what he's done at Real Madrid, irrespective again of whether he's in a sticky moment right now, forces some of which forces are definitely out with his control. He's been a real pleasure to watch manager. I mean a real pleasure to watch managing. I thought he should reject Florentino Perez's entreaties to become manager because I thought that Zidane would probably succeed and therefore give continuity to a way of running a club, Florentino's way, that I didn't think was good enough. But in the end, he was appointed, he succeeded, and Florentino changed his ways, investing in youth, investing in players that he wanted to come through the academy. And frankly... I've enjoyed seeing the emergence of, let's call it, Valverde and Rodrigo and Vinicius, who spent precious little time in the academy but were signed very, very young indeed. You're also going to hear from former Bayern Munich and Manchester United midfielder Owen Hargreaves talking about what struck him most when he played against his hero, Zidane, for the first time. Jimmy Bullard admired Zidane so much that he even wore his boots and shorts like Zizou in the hope that some of the genius would rub off on him. In fact, on one occasion, the tightness of his shorts was such that it impeded him from scoring an easy goal for Wigan. A dilemma that Zidane, to my knowledge, never faced. Afterwards, you'll hear Steve McManaman, who speaks about how Zizou endured a frustrating start in the Bernabeu. He was tried out in different positions, but couldn't quite slot in initially. Then came that final, the 2002 Champions League win over Bayer Leverkusen in Glasgow. Nobody ever doubted the great man at Real Madrid after that. And finally, we hear from former Real Madrid president Ramon Calderon, who details the shambolic lead-up to the managerial appointment, but says how promoting Zinedine Zidane from the position of reserve team coach to the biggest role in club football management was a risk that paid off. Do enjoy. Zidane, I, I always loved Zidane, and um, and then playing playing against him at Real Madrid with Bayern and stuff. Um, you know, I, I loved playing against him, and you'd never tell your heroes that they're your heroes, you know. So you, in the end, you've got to compete against them. But I, what struck me about he was so quiet when you you know when you went around him, you, you could just hear him breathe. That was it. You know, he didn't really talk much, but he was just such a genius. So there's different levels of, of genius. Scolzi and Zidane were kind of mentally. You know, ahead and, and Cristiano, you see those guys are like the old Ronaldo. You know, when you're that quick and that powerful and that explosive, it's virtually impossible to stop. Whereas those guys were, 
or sharp with their with their brain. People, I've been lucky enough just to be near Zidane, maybe in press zones or tunnels or whatever. People forget, and I'm certain you weren't in any way intimidated, but people forget because of his elegance and what he did with the ball. And our amateur eye follows the ball, the trajectory of a shot or a pass. But he was a serious physical unit. He was huge, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, he was the only guy who ever did it to me. Because uh, I was quite quick, and obviously I was a lot shorter than him. I'm guessing Zidane's probably 6'1", six, 6'2", six, maybe. And I was surprised how tall he was. And I remember he would, it would make it look like the ball was free. So he'd just leave it so there's a couple of yards distance from us. He, like, like it was free. And obviously I'm a bit thick. I think, oh, I'm going to get it off Zidane. <laughs> and I would, I would dive in t- to take it. And he would just stick up this massive leg, kind of his foot just off the air in his quad tense. And as you went into it, you just <laughs> straight into his quad. <laughs> you think, and it was like a brick wall. Like, what happened there? And he would just spin the other way. And I, and I remember thinking, what happened here? Well, he, he literally lured me in like a bull rider or whatever. And then he just spun the other way. I remember actually clapping in my mind for Zidane to <laughs> I salute lad. you for that. Yeah, yeah. I like As that. As a gentleman in football to go, I, I just, didn't like what happened to me, but chapeau. You just, you just humbled me. I like that. <laughs> oh, that's, that's absolutely beautiful. mentally that if you watched Zidane and even if you changed your gear a little bit to be like Zidane it actually benefited you now I love that one because every aspiring kid boy or girl who doesn't make it kind of thinks like that anyway but the power of the mind I think probably means that you were right when you when you did your boots, maybe not when you did the shorts too tight, but when you did your boots, let's say, Dan, and you thought it was helping, I reckon it probably was. It's, it's a confident sport. Yeah, it's, yeah. That comes again from detail, right? I used to look at Zidane. I used to... I used to um, adore the man so much. As you said, I used to wear my boots like him. And that's Predators, right? The way he used to flap his... Tongue over. It's a little detail. He didn't used to have the big tongues like Beckham. He used to have them up quite high. He didn't used to like a lot of flapping around. He used to have tight shorts because basically he was a big man. But I used to think, if I could dress like him, you know, I feel like him. Then I started taking on the persona of controlling a ball like him. Was it anything like him? Probably not. But I used to feel like I was him, like, and it used to relax me. And you know the way he used to carry yeah, himself? That's it. That's it. And he used to, like, just soak it in and just, like, <laughs> absorb it. And this was me in the Premier League, by the way, Greg. This wasn't me at 17. This was me playing for Wigan. Players didn't really see what I was doing, but I honestly tell you this, I used to think, I used to betray him because I used to go, he's the best in the world. Why not? Why can't I not try and be him? Brilliant. Even if I get Absolutely to 10% right. of him, I've done a good job. But there was one moment where the shorts so tight, I couldn't lift my leg up and I missed the open goal. <laughs> Oh, John, look to me and thought. <laughs> <laughs> Give me trial and error, trial and error. Stan must have, must have oh, made a mistake to you in this. I couldn't lift my left leg up. It come over Gary Till. Scotsman's gone down the right wing, flying down the right wing as he does. I'm galloping on the left back, thinking I'm Zidane. The ball comes over, slick, bounces off the slicky pitch. I pick my left foot up. I was hopeless with my left peg. And I just picked it up. But my shorts were so tight, I couldn't 
put my groin up as I, and it's just bounced over my foot. And I've looked. No one knew in the moment, obviously. It looked like I just missed it. And I thought to myself, these shorts are too bloody tight. It's getting ridiculous. Oh, I, hope and- I hope you had the bollocks to turn to Gary and go, Gary, here, here, mate, here, not there, here. <laughs> but it wasn't even that high grade. It wasn't even, like, outrageously high. It was just because of the top shorts were too tight. Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? If only they knew now. Paul Jill, oh, mate. All right, all right. Foot on the ball, as we like to say, Jimmy, because that's an intro to something that you and I both love. How would, how superb was Zidane a 21st century um, um, portrait? Because is, you, you can explain that in that, explain to those who haven't seen the film what it yeah. feels like and why two people in that film caught you. Yeah, yeah. Well, any, any football fan that loves football out there, just football in general, you don't have to be a Zidane fan. The way this, and, and, and a film fan, because of the detail and the, and the and the way this is shot is by far, I think, the best football film I've ever seen. I just think it's so class. 21st century, it's his own film. Basically, they follow Zidane for a whole game through him coming out of the tunnel, I believe, to the end. I'm not sure how it ends, but I believe in coming out of the tunnel. And there's a few things that I noticed through this film. It, if you ain't watched it out there, just don't watch it. It's beautiful, bro, isn't it? It's absolutely mind-blowing. It's, you've said it because the number of cameras, and it's set up by a Scottish guy with a French-Algerian cameraman, and this Scottish guy has got artistic ideas and he loves football, but I don't think any football game has had as many artistic cameras placed uh, on one what? guy ever, ever, and no. it's Zidane. I'll set it up because I don't know if you remember the year. It's April uh, 2005. It's at the Bernabeu. And it's against that iconic yellow submarine. Yellow, Villarreal. And that's why it's a double for you, isn't it? Yeah, it plays against Villarreal. It's it's a Zidane film, and you see Zidane moving around. And the way the cameras go on to him, I do not know. And I always remember Zidane. The amount that Zidane sweated was unbelievable. It was like a permanent tap coming off of his chin. I used to love that. And this is before he's even started the game. He used to sweat. Unbelievable amount. And he was the captain of that team. A few things I noticed, and I'm going to get on to the other player in a minute, was he wore the armband. How much he didn't talk, because he didn't need to, his, his actions would be enough. His movement on the ball, Gray, because where it goes so close in is absolutely phenomenal. Real Madrid don't have the best game in that, and nor does Zidane. This is where this other player comes in. It's so hard for me because it's 21st century, it's all about Zidane. But if you go back on YouTube and watch the actual game, Villarreal absolutely run the show with a player called Raquelme, one Roman Raquelme. Now, this boy has the game of his life during this film that's being made about Zidane. And if you watch the amount of Real Madrid, um, Real Madrid players trying to hack Raquelme, uh, he comes out with some ability in his... What isn't shown... It isn't shown in this DVD, but as a football fan, I went on to try and find this game to see how real it was. The game by um, Raquel May, that there, I was a bit of a Raquel May fan anyway, but that there took me on to being a full-blast Raquel May fan, fan, and then I started to train Raquel May. (laughs) And this is where my Raquel May run starts. But I love that player. I, I think that player... Underachieved a bit harsh because he done some amazing things, but I think he could have gone on to be one of the best ever. Like he, he's phenomenal. But that was that sort of 
DVD is amazing, really. We, we've got we've got a lot of um, listeners to this podcast who are football addicts like you and me, football lovers like you and me, and and therefore some of them will know about Roman Riquelme, but not everybody will have seen him, Jim. So if I was to say to you that Zidane and Riquelme occupied the same planet because in their way they were genius footballers, but to my eye Riquelme was really different to Zidane in that he's he's built. A little bit like you. You'd be a little bit taller yeah. than Raquel me, but he, he's quite a slight man. Yeah. By no means is he fast, but he was he's like got something de- 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 determinedly Argentinian about him. It's like to everybody around, it's like it's this pace, it's my ball. Yeah. You do your little bits running around and I will feed you and I'll feed you and I'll yeah. feed you. Stop now, stop now, turn, rewind, stop, pause for a second, drag them around, boom, there you go again. If there's a free kick, which in your case, we're going to come on to in a little while. Whereas Zidane, like you said, I think a lot of people forget he was a beast. Yeah. As well as being beautiful and across short bits of ground, he was much quicker than Riquelme and he could move as if the ball weren't, wasn't there. But he could impose himself physically. And if you watch, it's like with Ronaldinho. If you challenged up near him, you'd bounce off him, which is not the case with Riquelme. So they had to approach space and marking and, and time of release of the ball completely differently the two of them but they equally fascinated you your detail there Gray, is exactly how i see it right is it is everything you said there is absolutely bang on right but there were because i was built like raquel I, I started to understand this i can i could control the ball like sedan but guess what there's another player trying to get it off of me. That's a different matter. Zidane, as you say, is a beast. Six foot two, six whatever he is, at legs like tree trunks. He could put a leg there and stop him. I couldn't do that. Raquel May can't do that. What I found, you watch Raquel May very closely. He uses his backside. He uses his whole body. Zidane, use a limb. It's enough for Zidane to put a leg there and go, stop, and I'll stop that. I couldn't play like that. Raquel May, I could play like. He'd get his own body there. Two different players, really, and they see it different. They had to play different, and I believe it comes down to stature. As you say, no pace for a Kelmay, but I'm telling you what he had, bro. His manipulation of the football in tight areas was better than Zidane's in tight areas. Like, and this is how I broke it down. Zidane gliding with a football, wow. Like, I see him tear off, and I think he got... Zidane, you don't see him as a pacey sort of player, but Zidane had pace, what you say. When he got galloping, mate, he was a charger. He, no one's stopping him. Raquel, mate, wasn't that. said to me I always remember people back then were saying to me you know what's it like to play with Zidane because at the time we know that Florentino handpicked Luis and you know Zizou and we got the best but they came into the dressing room I mean Zizou didn't speak the language at the time I mean you, you know him he's, he's quite reserved and quite humble and quite quiet and he came into his dressing room the greatest player in the world and you know sat down and didn't say a word and just did his magic on the pitch. So it, it was easy to integrate, as I said. He had a really hard time, Zizou, initially, didn't he? A Jeez, really hard oh, time. The first few months, there was yeah. even... If it's not funny, bullying, it reminds was... me a bit now of, um, of Pogba at Man United. We, you sort of bring him in, and it's like, God, where do we put him? 
Because yeah. I remember Zizou playing in about four or five different places. We were sticking him in every position, trying to make him play well. And it wasn't happening. He was struggling at left side of midfield, or he was struggling for the number 10 role, because we had a very fluid team anyway, you see. And he was getting in the way at times, and it was like, wow, you know, when's he going to... He showed us in training he was elegant and he could play, but it was like, right, you know, when's he going to do it? And it was like that final happens. And it was like, ah, no, that's what he does. That's, and then from then on, I mean, it probably it was probably prior to that. But that final, it was like, ah, this is why he's the greatest player ever. And then he really, really flourished then. But I always remember, even for the greatest players, and it reminds me of Paul Pogba now, he's played at centre midfield, or he can't play there. We need him in a three, or we can't play there. He was number 10 the other day behind Zlatan, or he can't play there. And he'll get it, he'll click soon enough. But sure. it, it reminds me a bit of that. Yep. It reminds me a bit of that. Where's we, where are we going to put him? And then Zizou just arrived and we thought, all right. And again, he was an immense player. I think I know the answer to this. Are you a little bit surprised that Zidane has taken over at Real Madrid, given the fact that he didn't used to flourish in public? He, he's, he's an intelligent, articulate man, but he's, he, you said timid. He's at least that. He certainly didn't like dealing with the media as a no. player. He's taken into it like a duck to water. I'm not particularly surprised he's a good leader, but being involved with managing a group of players, again, I would have not thought that was his number one priority in life. Mm. He's taken his time, he's done his badges, he's done a, a general manager's course, he's been an ambassador, he's been a youth team coach, he's been an assistant coach. Now he's at the top. And I have to say, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i enjoying it like nothing. It's a beautiful story. Yeah, I admire how he's galvanised the team. Mm. But he wouldn't have stood out to when you knew him as a natural manager no, coach no, or am I wrong no I, I think it takes all sorts isn't it to be a good manager you need a lot, a lot of luck you need a lot of luck to win games but I think that Zizou's gone in and he's not abrasive he's not a shouter he doesn't want confrontation with his players I think he just goes in and he helps this group of egos and he just massages them all and keeps them all happy and he knows it was a bit like Vincente when he took over us. He knew that he didn't have to do a lot because he had great players in front of him. He just had to make, you know, keep them all happy. Mm-hmm. I think if you go in and you shout and you moan and you tell people off, a lot of them, you know, they will just go, oh, I've had enough of him. We had it when Vincente went and Florentino had a, a raft of managers who came through the door and left through the door very, very quickly. And unfortunately, a lot of the players, they are the powerful ones. And I think if you go in and you keep them happy, Generally, if you know that your 11 is better than their 11, you'll win. win. And that's what happens. So I think Zizou's perfect probably for Real Madrid. I think Carlo Ancelotti was perfect for Real Madrid. I don't think Jose was. I think he's that character. There's a lot of, you know, banging heads together. I think you just need to go in and be nice and calm. And I think Zizou exudes that. And I hope Madrid keep that. You know, I hope Santi Solari is a future manager. I hope Gutti's a future manager. I think this role of these super managers who come and go and blur and blur and blur, I just think it's bonkers. Ah. I think this succession of managers, the Real Madrid way, I think in the future that could be absolutely perfect for them. President sees it that way. I am a lawyer, so I know how to defend a case in the court. But I don't know how to build a team. The current president, I've, I've told him many times, he's an engineer. He knows quite well how to uh, build bridges or tunnels or roads, but not to build teams, and mainly a team like Real Madrid. And that's why we've been, these seasons, by the way, all the credit and the merit to the players, awesome what they've done. Uh, they've been suffering such a mess from the directors and the president that it's difficult to understand how they managed to be until the end, the last match, about to win the title, 
and also to win the Champions League. Bear in mind that in June, not only one year ago, they were supporting Ancelotti. They said he was the right manager. He was sacked. No one beyond all understanding. Nobody no, knows no, why, why the no decision one, was made. Even the president says Correct. in the press conference, they asked him, why are you sacking Ancelotti? And the answer was, I don't know. <laughs> so he was sacked. There was a pilgrimage just looking for another coach. They went to sign Klopp. They went to sign Mourinho. They went to sign Love. The, Jogue Love. Everyone said, well, I don't know why, but they said, we prefer not to go there. So they went to sign Benitez, a coach that came with a short expiring date on the forehead. Everyone knew he wasn't the right coach, but is the one he found. So he came and which is amazing, is in December, in a press conference, the president said, Benitez is the solution, is not the problem, he will stay, doesn't matter what journalist is saying, and Zidane is not going to be the substitute. Only 15 days after was completely the opposite. Imagine the feeling, I can imagine the feeling of the players at the time, saying, what's happening here? This is uh, not understandable. What are we doing here? So, and they turned to Zidane because uh, Zidane was at the time the only one at hand, like they did with, I don't remember the name of the, Lopez Caro, a uh, long time yeah. ago, yes. in second division B. Yes. It was very risky, but what has been a lack for everyone, mainly Real Madrid, not the president, because I prefer to see the club, is that Zidane has been very clever, very smart in looking for the complicity of the players. He knew that he had the respect of them. They admired them because he's been top, top player. I'm sure he knew he wasn't really prepared for that really big, big challenge. Coming from the second division teams, like uh, someone told me that uh, I was not uh, a bit rude with him saying that he was a second division team, but he was. It's true. He was. I said, imagine... One director, well, one manager of a small office of a bank in a small town in... In Palencia. Palencia. Suddenly he became the chairman of Banco Santander. He said, well, that's a bit strange. It's a big jump. <laughs> it's a big jump. So, but he was very smart, knowing the attraction he has for the players. So, he did that. There's been a big complicity between all of them, among all of them, the players and himself... And they've done something incredible. And, and they've they managed, as I said, up to the last match, able to win the competition. In, in, the, in the league, when they score first in La Coruña and it's 0-0... They're they they were, they were winning. They're top of the division. That's it, right. It, so, it, it's been extraordinary. It, it's, been, it's been lucky, the idea, but it, you, you see that it's something improvised. That uh, yes, when, when you don't have someone, professionals, helping you in doing that job, normally the logical consequence is a failure. Thank you for listening to The Big Interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true, Graham Hunter, and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at ACAST, and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us, 
at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson.